Hi, today we're going to be talking about renewing your business using IP, and this is part two, so hopefully you've watched part one. Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire in the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. Today we're going to be talking about, in our episode, a way to renew your business. By this, we mean give it new life, a new value, and possibly enhancing value. Renewing your business can be done in a number of ways using intellectual property. Learn what others have done to enhance their business through the use of IP, as it may surprise you how you can do that. Simply taking your existing business and seeing and developing the existing IP, the rights that you have, can be transformative. Learn a whole bunch of ways to do that. So today we'll cover five topics. Topic number one, reducing business risks. Topic number two, reducing liability. Topic number three, really important, saving money. Topic number four is to attract new business partners and business relationships. And then topic number five, raising money successfully. So we hope all these topics can get you involved in thinking about how to use your IP to renew your business. So the audience, as we started to think about it, is for those Folks that may have our IP already, but don't know how to leverage it in their business. Or for those small companies who may not be using IP to help their business yet, but maybe through this podcast can learn. Maybe for companies raising money, this podcast can be invaluable as a way to help modify your business to make your business more attractive. For audiences that may be investors or board members, use this podcast to drive value in your companies. For mid-sized companies and even large-sized companies, if you're an IP director, this podcast can give you a whole bunch of new ways to drive positive change and growth. And finally, for entrepreneurs, there's dozens of tricks here that the trade of the trade to help you renew your business. So coming up, this is John Cronin from Invent Anything. Learn more actionable strategies to reduce risks in your business using IP, and additionally learn how IP can even reduce liability. Stay tuned and discover how to enhance your business and reduce risks and to reduce liability associated with IP. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. So let's talk about topic number one, reducing your business risks. We can use free and operate as a way to reduce business risks. There's an episode in our podcast series, episode 14, that can talk about that. You know, by conducting an FTO analysis, you have the ability to essentially develop a way of assessing your legal risks. A practical example of this would be to seek the advice of a, a non-legal expert and start off with conducting an FTO analysis for your product and technology. In this way, you'll see if you if we should be worried about other people's patents. A second way is to create trading card patents to reduce your business risk. By this, we mean creating trading card patents, which is a strategy to reduce risk, which is to really make sure you have something that you can assert against others if, if they assert against you. A practical example of this is to conduct a patent search to identify if cat competitors have patents. And if they do, that you're worried about, make sure that you have some patents so you can trade with them. So at the end of the day, if there's a lawsuit, you can have something to counter with. A third way is to do a patent watch. Very simple idea to reduce your business risk. 
what you use is a, a system, maybe some software tools or a method to actually put competitors and some keywords about their patents. So you could see anytime a new patent is issued. A practical example of this is to use things like, say, uh, Google Alerts, which you could set up alert. But you know, be careful because it does require some expertise in knowing how to set up that search term for the alert so you don't miss anything. I'd hate you to think that you were reducing your risks with these alerts, but you didn't do the alert right. Number four is to conduct a patent mapping, and that will help reduce your business risk. When you do mapping, which is really a visual mapping technique of the patents and applications in a specific area of technology, the analysis can show you the gaps, but also it can show you the market opportunities and innovation. So you should take advantage of those, right? Practical example would be to conduct an IP landscape for your industry and identify areas where your company's products and services can fill gaps. And that will save you a whole bunch of time, wasted time in going into a market where maybe it's crowded. And we have an episode on this episode 30 called the IP landscape. Hope you take a look at that. A fifth way is to conduct competitor analysis to reduce business risk. Here we'll talk about is competitor analysis is a process of gathering and analyzing information about competitors' strengths and weaknesses and their strategies. This analysis can help you to identify potential threats and opportunity for innovation. A practical example of this is to do what we call an IP analytics, which if you want more detail, is in episode 31. Doing this analytics can actually help you understand the competitors at a level far deeper than just a surface level of some trend charts. So we help you use this as a way of reducing risk. One great way to reduce risk is to develop a patent portfolio. You see, a patent portfolio is a collection of patents owned by you, and having a strong portfolio, you have a great defensive measure, uh, particularly against infringement claims, which may have, as I said, trading cards. Practically, an example of this is a company called Guardian Health, which makes precision oncology, um, and they have about 460 patents, of which 131 have been granted, and these patents have been used continually to help protect the technology from infringement, from competitors, and also reduce the risk of lost revenue due to copycats. So there's a lot of ways to use patents. Number seven is to use patent licensing to reduce patent risk. But here we're talking about by using patent licensing, which is really a process to leverage your patents to generate revenue and having a licensing strategy. You see, when you do this, you reduce risk because you're taking your patents and allowing others to license it from you. So they get to know you have patents and they get to know you want to do a business transaction where you're just looking for some royalties. A practical example of this is to take your patented technology and negotiate some license agreements, even with your competitors. One thing we found is you can reduce, uh, you can register trade markets to reduce business risk. Here, what we're talking about, and if you don't know what a trademark is, it's a symbol or word or phrase that's used to distinguish your company's product or service. If you register your trademarks, you can then have an extra layer of protection for your products or reduce some business risks. Basically, if you have a trademark, uh, basically, it's a secondary way of protecting your products. So if your product catches on, but it catches a name, if the name is trademarked, then you have legal rights to uphold your, your name so nobody else can copy it. Because a lot of people out there, as you know, copying pretty much everything. So trademarks will definitely help. Another way, which is really important, and you can go to our episode number 11 on this, on trade secrets, is when you develop a clear trade secret strategy and a process, it certainly can reduce business risks. There's a whole bunch of things in that podcast of where trade secrets can reduce risk from copying, from employees taking things, to somebody doing cybersecurity, to getting through your 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 your, your, your walls of internet uh, in your company. There's a whole bunch of different ways to try to really lock down trade secrets. You'd be surprised at the many different ways you can do that. 
And then finally, another way to reduce risk, and this is incredibly low cost, is to use enabled publications. By publishing an invention, it creates prior art from somebody else patenting it. And so it's such a low, low cost way of getting the ability to give you some freedom where a competitor can't invent on top of you. Again, this is covered in another episode, episode 12, Enable Publications. Go to that and learn the tricks. Let's go to reduce uh, liability, topic number two. How do we reduce liability using intellectual property? The first one is to ensure proper ownership of an employee-created IP. But what we mean by this is a lot of companies have employees and agreements where they don't even understand who really owns the IP at the end of the day. So we have employee agreements that are signed, basically have very clear thought out that you can re reduce liability between you and a potential employee that might run off thinking they own the ideas. You know, have employees sign an assignment to all the potential inventions they come up with and make sure you continually looking at what inventions they have so you can get proper assignment. A second way to reduce your liability here is to essentially um, look at your website. A lot of people don't recognize that when they develop a website, they put a lot of know-how on their website. What that does for competitors is to allow them to look at your website and you're teaching them. A lot of people don't recognize that you can teach what you do, but not how you do. And this is a very basic concept. But if you understand it, maybe consult with some IP uh, experts on this, you can really avoid people from copying you. And even more importantly, in, in avoid patent litigation against you. Because all people that will see if you're violating their patents will go to your website first. So learn how to talk about what, but not how on your website. Another way to reduce liability is to use patents as collateral to secure financing. A lot of people don't recognize that this is a possibility. See, patents can be used as a collateral against the loan or against even equity. So work with the lender or investor who specializes in understanding intellectual property because you'll probably get better rates and probably close your raise even sooner. So use patents as a collateral to reduce liability. One of the things you could do to re reduce liability is to make sure you evaluate the patent strength and also the commercial potential of your own intellectual property. See, a lot of companies have patents, but they don't know how strong they are. It's very highly recommended that you have experts look at to make sure your patents can be as strong as they can. By conducting a patent analysis to determine the strength and commercial value here, uh, you, if you don't have strong patents now, that can be fixed and they can be improved. But it reduces liability because you actually know your patents are strong. One of the things is to reduce liability is to monitor IP infringement. You know, by following competitors and seeing competitors who might be suing other competitors, that's a telltale sign, can you read in the coal mine, if you will, that says that maybe they'll be after you next. So there are all sorts of software tools and things, web crawlers, for instance, that can be built to essentially monitor your competitors to see if patent litigation becomes a tool of the market. A lot of companies don't recognize, but all of a sudden this happens. I mean, if you enter into a market, but you don't know if the market has competitors that will use litigation or patents, you should know that before you enter the market. Again, this is all to reduce your liability. One of the things you can do is to register many domain names to reduce liability. What do we mean by that? See, so you have a domain name for your company. Uh, all companies do if they have a website. But what they don't recognize is lookalike domain names, basically, all of a sudden would steer companies to what they think is your company to somebody else. And they might not know that much about your company. So now all of a sudden, all your hard work is not paying off because someone's going to another domain name to talk to about the service or product you have. By the way, this happens quite a bit. And uh, we, we know some companies and some entrepreneurs that buy hundreds of domain names to protect their, and reduce their liability. One of the things which 
obviously can be done to reduce liability by investors for sure is conduct IP due diligence. Before investing, you know, look at the IP, look at the patents, look at the enabled publications, look at the product and services and ask the question, does the IP line up with the product and services? Ask the question, how good is the IP? By answering those questions in advance, you reduce your liability as an investor by putting money in a company, finding out later on that the patents don't cover what you thought. Or maybe more importantly, in IP due diligence, doing a free to operate study because who wants to invest and find out you're going to get into a lawsuit? One of the things you can do to reduce liability, and this is incredibly important, is in the trade secret area. We talked about that uh, before, but in the trade secret area, you have a trade secret registry. We know what your trade secrets are and who, who has them. So later on, by tying those to your employment agreements, you can easily get to the point where you know who owns your trade secrets. So you reduce your liability by someone walking out the door thinking that they own their trade secrets. One of the best things in the world you could do is to educate employees about IP policies and agreements to help reduce your liability, even how you use an NDA and what you put in it. So by educating employees about your IP policies, what are your patents? What are your trade secrets? How do you handle double of new matter in marketing, et cetera? These are all sort of uh, ways to let employees know how you consider you want to protect your IP. So again, reducing liability, it's about IP education. Coming up, you might find it interesting. You can actually save money with intellectual property. Uh, and also you can build new partner relationships. So take a listen to the next, how you can use intellectual property to both save money and develop deepened relationships that enhance your business. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. Move to topic number three, saving money. So if you're a board member or investor or a CEO or even CFO, you might think that intellectual property is expensive. And therefore, the expense of intellectual property, patents, trade secrets, and all the rest, might tell you that it's an expense that you don't want to have. Because maybe you're not really worried about the risks. Uh, that's okay. But what you don't know is that when you develop intellectual property, the whole process of developing it can literally save money. So let's dig into this. One of the things is, if you look at the patent documentation process itself, as you're going through the process of documenting a patent, you can literally save money. Because what are you doing? When, you, when you're working between your inventors and your experts, maybe a patent attorney to brainstorm ideas of how you're going to expand the patent. Basically, what you're doing is you're iterating with your technical team and your counsel on all sorts of options. And what you're doing is you're virtualizing R&D. Instead of doing physical R&D to improve things, you're doing it in an hour and a half brainstorming session. So instead of having your engineers and technical people and operators developing stuff in the laboratory, you can do it virtually. And this is a huge cost savings. And you would not recognize it, but most times when you're developing patents, you're saving physical labor and R&D costs. And it's just, we're talking about two or three, one, one and a half hour meetings. Take a look at that. Another way to save money is to forward patenting. Forward patentings mean that you patent the idea of the product before the product is even built or released. Now, why would that save money? <clears throat> But just imagine the opposite. You develop your product, you finish it up, you get it qualified, you're ready to go out the door, and it goes out the door, 
spent all that time and money, and then you found out, maybe you filed a patent at that point. Maybe you found out at that point, you couldn't get a patent allowed on that. Well, that, that means you don't have protection on it. Even worse, suppose you have the product out the door and you're violating somebody else's patent. So wouldn't it make sense to do forward patenting to save you all that money that you might have to spend to essentially make you know have a product that's not patent protected or being sued? So save money by using forward patenting. A third way is to improve sales margins through patent leverage. What do we mean by that? Well, if you're a CFO or even a CEO or board member or investor, you might not know that the studies have shown that patent protected products or services have about a 34% increase in sales margins. That is a tremendous amount of money. So look at the money you're saving by developing intellectual property. I mean, what, two or three patents might be 20, 30, $40,000. What's your sales margins? What's 34% of your sales margins? So why not take advantage of that? Another thing is a way to save money is obtaining patents, which saves money on marketing. Wait, saving money on marketing? What do you mean? Well, when you get a patent, it's the patent office that grants you the patent. They're a third party. They have no dog in the fight, meaning they don't care about your company. They're just saying that they believe your invention is novel, new, useful, not obvious. So you get a patent. That's great leverage in the market to say you have patent protected products or services because it's not just you saying it. It's allowed in the patent office. The intangible benefit of having patents in your marketing plan is pretty hard to calculate, I know. I mean, we did talk about the 34% sales margin. But what about having customers that come to you and want to buy from you because they think your product is innovative? So don't underestimate how much money you can save by getting some patents to improve your marketing ability. Look at how much marketing you might have to do to basically come equal to filing several patents. Another way to use IP to save money is tax benefits. You might not recognize this, but you can develop IP and provide all sorts of tax benefits for the company. In some countries like the US and the UK, you can claim tax deductions or credits on the expenses occurred in developing the IP. This can include all sorts of expenses relating to not only filing and maintaining the patents, but also the expenses related to the R&D activities. Now, this became a pretty big deal about eight or nine years ago, but most companies, especially even small ones, don't recognize this. And in some countries, there's high tax benefits for this. So use IP to save money on tax benefits. Another way to help you save money is to increase your valuation using IP. Well, first of all, how does improving valuation save money? Well, suppose you were raising $10 million on a, a, a $20 million valuation versus uh, having $10 million, you raise it on a $50 million valuation because of IP. Well, that difference in valuation means that the share price of the people that buy into it is far different when you have a much better valuation, right? The investor owns less of your company at a higher valuation. So this is probably the biggest bang for the buck in saving money. You know, this can help secure funding intellectual property and lower the cost of, of your capital. So you can take a look at episode nine on valuation or episode 24 on the IP story. Combined, this gives you a way to really save money by increasing valuation. A set, the seventh final way to save money is to uh, develop cost-effective innovation. What we mean by this is having IP that can lead to cost-effective innovation to essentially create IP through innovation and spend money on acquiring maybe licensing technology instead of developing it yourself. So you can enable a company using intellectual property 
to save money on doing almost all R&D by doing cost-effective innovation through licensing. So let's go into topic number four, attracting new business partners and business relationships. First, developing an extensive IP portfolio to attract an M&A and JV activity is really important, and that works a lot. I mean, for instance, think of Google, who acquired Motorola Mobility. They, they bought Motorola Mobility for $12.5 mainly because of the patent portfolio. That's a pretty big number, right? So developing an extensive IP portfolio is a great way of raising the value. One of the things is you can use prediction patents uh, and, and create a buzz. Uh, you, like in 2015, Procter & Gamble announced the smart toothbrush using sensors and machine learning algorithms to analyze brushing habits, and then using that data to drive the vibration. They created such a buzz about this that allowed them to create the category of smart toothbrushes. So don't underestimate the ability to create a buzz using patents. Another way to attract new business partners is by using IP press releases. An IP press release might cost four or $500, but it certainly is well worth it. So when you have a new patent or a new trade secret, you can announce that. Of course, not give away the, you know, the, the secrets of it, but essentially get in the leverage. I mean, Fitbit was able to showcase its thought leadership and expertise in the wearable technologies quite a bit by using press releases. And Fitbit became really much more well-known by everybody. So think about IP press releases as a way of attracting new business partners. Another way to get new business partners is to leverage your IP and negotiate favorable deals. And so when you're working with uh, maybe a manufacturing company that has an extensive patent portfolio, maybe when you're working with them, uh, you could negotiate a deal. But if you were the manufacturing company and had an extensive patent portfolio, you could negotiate a better deal for yourself because you own how to make things and therefore your proprietary technology. So by negotiating your proprietary technology, you tend to do better in a deal. A great way to get new partners is the model you all recognize, which is franchising. You know, a lot of businesses today are finding pieces of their business and to extend their model, they might be able to a franchise. See, intellectual property might be in a specific technology area, but the invention could read on many different areas. So you could have a new material that you might be using for a medical device, but that new material might be great in the consumer product as an insulator or something. So franchising is a great way to sort of set up other businesses that can leverage off of what you know. Another way to develop new partnerships is to use collaborative research. Businesses can partner together, they can do research and development together. Because you have your own intellectual property, it's safer for you to do collaboration because you have ownership before you enter into those collaborations. Another great way to develop business partnerships is spin-offs. A lot of companies we work with have intellectual property that covers not only their business, but other parts of their business. Some of the businesses might be better run by other businesses. So by having intellectual property, it's great to use that to then carve out spin-offs and be able to spin off a business. Great way to create other new business relationships. They're a little bit esoteric about patents. Some companies we work with, we develop patent pools. You have a group of companies that kind of are inventing a lot around the same. Sometimes they create standards. And you can create patent pools as a way of everyone getting together and giving others a license to the pool. Sony, Philips, Pioneer, et cetera, did a masterful job of this when they put their pooled patents together for DVD video technology to allow every, everyone who wanted the standard to, to get access to intellectual property. And then a final way to get new partnerships is use IP and collaborations with universities. Certainly universities want to use their IP, right, to get a deal with you. But if you have an IP you know, with them, 
you can work on a better deal. So you can use your IP plus university's IP to actually create a great partnership using the university to do the R&D and using you to do the applications. So it really works out well if you have IP before you approach the university because you can cut a much better deal. In other words, you're approaching the university based on your IP and you're asking them to do the contract research. Uh, if they start out with the IP and they approach you, chances are you're going to get uh, uh, less of a deal. So coming up, you're going to learn maybe how your company's valuation can be enhanced using IP and also how to sexually raise money through an improved IP strategy. Look at how we're going to renew your business really at the bottom line level. See how to utilize IP to raise money and improve your valuation. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. So our last topic is topic number five, raising money successfully. A big part of what I do during the day and I have for the last uh, 10 or 15 years is helping companies develop intellectual property to raise money. And it's been a very successful uh, career uh, to help people develop patents, trade secrets, enable publications, put it together in a story with a valuation, and, and letting investors know about the true value of the intellectual property of the company. So here's some tips, if you will. One thing you could do is develop an intellectual property strategy to enhance the valuation. Identify what the company's unique assets are and develop a plan to generate more intellectual property that ties directly to the revenue of the company. By doing this, you're actually showing the investors how your intellectual property ties directly to the product and services uh, that you're developing and selling. One of the things that most people forget in this is topic number two, is to use trade secrets as a way to gain competitive advantage. We, we recently had a company that uh, had something that a human being would ingest. We won't go into the details of it. But we recognized a lot of their formulations were trade secrets. So when investors came to us, they said, is there any intellectual property here? Turned out that initially we told the investors there was a lot of trade secrets. We were able to codify those trade secrets uh, to tell the investors at least the titles of those. And the investors got a really good warm feeling that there was 30 or 40 trade secrets in this company. And because of that, they did a first round of investment. As we went on with this company, we recognized that the applications of the compositions that, and the way they made those compositions, which are trade secret, the applications of those could create a wide range of retail products. So we filed a whole bunch of patents on that. Now the new investors came in because they saw the patents of the applications with the original investors came in seeing the trade secrets. So you can certainly use patents and trade secrets, not to gain competitive advantage, but to raise money. A third way is to use IP to attract inventors or potential acquirers by highlighting the strength of the intellectual property. Uh, as I mentioned in a recent example, one of the key parts would be to not only help them with the trade secrets and the patents, but put it together and bundle it is what we call an IP story, which is episode 24 of our podcast series. We hope you, you know, listen to that and enjoy it. You know, people, investors for sure, always want to listen to your story. And of course, they're going to look at the business, the market, the product, and the technology. But very rarely do they get an understanding of the intellectual property and how the intellectual property connects to the business, the market, the product, the technology. Generally, the intellectual property, if talked about at all, is a list of patents at the end of the business plan. It doesn't breathe life or add context to the intellectual property. So a huge suggestion here is to develop an IP story to help develop a way to raise money more quickly and a better valuations 
And this would certainly renew your business. Another way to help renew your business, as I mentioned earlier, is to raise the company's valuation. One way to do it is to commercialize your IP. A lot of companies don't think about this, that if they have IP, they're thinking it's purely for protective measures. Like if somebody violates their patent, they can sue them. But other ways to use intellectual property is, is to license or develop partnerships or to use it to negotiate deals or to use it in the press, all these things we're talking about. So you can literally enhance your company's valuation by doing other things with your IP to commercialize it. The other part of this is to actually develop more IP to help you commercialize it. See, if you have products and services, you may be getting patents to protect them. You might be get, able to get patents on how your customer uses the product or service or how your vendor is going to supply information to you. By doing that, now you've got leverage on both sides to essentially strike better deals, improving the valuation of your company. A lot of people don't recognize, <clears throat> there's another topic here, that one way to raise money is through crowdfunding. And we've taken a, a big look at crowdfunding. We involve a lot of deals where you can do crowdfunding. But it turns out that when you start having intellectual property, uh, regarding what you're putting out for the crowd to fund it, that the crowd, which are really retail investors, right? They're, instead of the big investors are investing three, four, five, ten million in, you have investors that are putting in 50,000. And believe me, Investors that are putting in 10, 20, 50,000 in a crowd get really impressed with intellectual property, more so than the big investors. Because you know, the average retail investor, by definition, may not have all the thinking and all the capability of IP due diligence and what patents really mean. They hear the word patents, they get very excited about it. So we found a tremendous uplift in the value of crowdfunded investments when the crowdfunded investments have intellectual property. Something to keep in the back of your head if you ever decide to do crowdfunding. One of the things is to improve the value of your, your company when you're raising money is to use IP to price in the value of IP in your company. Now, what do we mean by that? Certainly, we talked about this IP story, which is more subjective. But, you know, you can do valuations of your intellectual property, get a pro forma number of the value of the uh, IP and find the extracted value of the IP as it relates to the product. They should talk to your investors about how much it really means. <clears throat> a lot of companies don't recognize that any company's value, 80% of it's going to be intangible. 80% is intangible assets. Out of those intangible assets, 40 to 50 of them is going to be patents and trade secrets. The other, of course, things like brand and things like that, cut customer lists and things. So by showing investors the actual value that your IP has in the deal means that they now have to negotiate that part. And by having a good portfolio, where you can discuss and defend your intellectual property with investors means that clearly 40 or 50% of the value of your intellectual property is extremely defendable outside of what a normal investor might know. So pricing the value of IP to raise the value of your company and raise money. Another way to raise money, by the way, is to use IP to secure a loan. We call that IP securitization. A lot of people don't recognize it. You can go out and get uh, a security or a loan where the IP is backing it up. What this does is it allows companies to raise money because of that asset. Because if they're trying to get a loan, maybe they can't get a loan. But if they have IP backing it up, maybe they can get a loan. And maybe they can get some preferred rates. One thing is that there's all sorts of grants out there of where you can use intellectual property to help you raise money. You know, companies apply for government or private grants all the time. And part of, well, part of what you do to get these grants is to talk about how you're developing the intellectual property. So if you're really good at developing patents and trade secrets and putting that in your grant application, that's what people want to see. 
because they're giving you a grant to develop the technology, but they're not giving you a grant to develop the technology so you can disappear. They're giving you the grant to develop the technology so you can survive as a business, so you can develop it for the, you know, for the community. So using intellectual property is a way to do that. The last one I'll mention is trade secret sale. Now, you wouldn't think about this, but a lot of companies have know-how, a team of people that are doing something very special. At the end of the day, the product didn't sell. Maybe they don't even have patents. But you know, you could bundle up that trade secret know-how and then go out and sell it. And that would become an asset that you might not think you have. So many companies fold up and watch it all the time when they leave on the table very valuable know-how that's very specific to that core team and the domain. And they just bust that team up and don't even talk about that value again. But while you've got that team, if you want to get leverage, you could actually take your trade secrets and leverage it up to essentially sell it. Well, let's wrap up. In topic number one, we talked about reducing business risk. You know, there are 10 items that we talked about uh, to provide strategies for any intellectual property, things like freedom to operate, trading cards, conducting patent watches, you know, doing patent mapping or competitive analysis, developing patent portfolios, using patent licensing or registering trademarks, and developing trade secret strategies and all those sort of things. You know, these strategies in a way that can help your company protect intellectual property, avoid legal disputes, uh, and allow you to basically reduce business risk. In topic number two, we talked about reducing liability. Previous conversations we had about this was to develop actionable strategies where your company can reduce risk and liability associated with intellectual property. Strategies included things like ensuring proper ownership of employees through IP agreements, monitoring IP infringement, registering trademarks, conducting IP due diligence, developing a trade secret strategy, filing patents, using patents as collateral to secure financing, valuing patent strength, making sure it's good commercially, rewriting websites to avoid patent infringement, and educating employee about IP policies. Bringing these together, uh, there are all ways to reduce liability. Interestingly enough, most companies don't know that you can save money. And we talked about topic number three, how to save money using intellectual property. Here we talked about things like improving sales margins, saving money on marketing, using as the patent office as a third party to tell your story the world is novel, developing IP with tax benefits, increasing the company's valuation, have low-cost innovation uh, through licensing from third parties, Reducing R&D expenses. Overall, developing intellectual property to save money is certainly a winner. We talked about in topic number four, how to attract new business partners and relationships. Here we talked about things like, for example, a technology startup with a comprehensive IP portfolio can attract new investors and strategic partners. We talked about press releases to showcase. We talked about leveraging IP to negotiate favorable partnerships. We talked about franchising, collaborative research development, spin-offs, patent pools, in all sorts of different ways, we talked about how companies can partner with universities. So you see, leveraging IP to create new business partners is certainly very viable, and you should definitely consider it. And finally, we just ended up talking about raising money uh, successfully using IP. We talked about the power of this intellectual property story that communicates the value of the IP assets. We talked about educating investors, licensing to actually make money to improve the commercialization of your company. We talked about this new world of crowdfunding and how that might be a place where IP could really leverage value. We talked about pricing the value of the IP into the deal, showing your investors actually what's going on. We talked about how to using patents and trade secrets to attract new investors and how to sort of tell that story regarding that. We even talked about things like selling your trade secrets. 
We talked about grants and how grants can be used to leverage to make money. So look at all those different ways. So, so to cap up, part two here, renewing your business using intellectual property. So you've been watching these two parts series. The question is, you have a business. And maybe you're looking at this podcast as a way to say, you know, I'm going to check this thing out because it's my business is not getting as far as I want it to. And maybe I don't have IP. So let me hear what, what events anything has to say about that. Or maybe have IP and nobody's told you the many different ways that you can leverage your business, renew your business using intellectual property. And he shot two podcasts. We basically talked about 10 ways. But here's the most important thing about both these podcasts. It's not so much whether you do one of these 10 things or one thing in the 10 things. It's a combination of all of these things that you can use to really enhance your value. If you do this to the level that we think you could, you could be an IP company. You certainly have your product and service company, but an IP company on top of that, that puts you on the immediate top end of all companies in your space. So take heed. These 10 ways to renew your business using IP, they're all proven. We've done them all. A lot of people know about some of them. Almost everybody knows about all of them. Nobody knows all of them. Uh, so carefully consider, could you, could you renew your business using intellectual property? So we hope you like this. And if you did, please subscribe. Come join our blog, Invent Anything. And please listen to our new series, Inventors at Work.